general nerdery. I have one mission for this episode, and it is to not use the phrase, they understood the assignments. <laughs> because I realized when I, we were recording the other day over on New Byland, our uh, Werewolf by Night special episode, episode, that I have been using that phrase basically every time I've talked about a piece of media since I think our Monsters episode last year. Okay. <laughs> like, if I like it. If I don't, I'm like, they don't understand the assignment. <laughs> which is just... <sighs> It's one of those things, and I'm sure you know that, like, have realized this stuff. When you're recording a lot of stuff, you're occasionally like, I never, I never stop saying that one specific that sentence. One thing. Oh my God. There's one thing <laughs> I just kept saying. Uh, anyways, welcome to General Nerdery, your podcast about liking things. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And, oh my God, we haven't, we didn't record for a month, and I have forgotten how we do things. We're here today to talk. I'm like, oh God, how do we do how things? How do we do this? Uh, uh, we're here today to talk about uh, Miracle Worker Season 4. But before that, what have we been ingesting? What have we been ingesting? It's been so long. The, mm. It's been so long. Well, and especially because... Okay, so we didn't record for... We missed a, uh, mm-hmm. a, a, one of our normal times because behind-the-scenes stuff happened. We're sorry, it always happens. But I went in being like, man, I have like four good things to talk about. But that was two weeks ago, and I've piled on more things, which means my brain has now forgotten all of them. Right. Um, let me see. Still been going through the bear. Have two episodes left of that. It is still fantastic. I also feel like I understand so much more about that show since having watched Food Wars. <laughs> I still need to. I have the I got the Food Wars cookbook and I still mm. need to try some of the stuff from it. Yeah, it's wild. I'll be watching it and they'll say something and I'll be like, I kind of know what they're talking <laughs> about. Oh, that's weird. I've never even worked food service. Ooh. Yeah, I'm a little worried with the bear just because I work in the kitchen sometimes that is gonna hit too close to home, even though I'm not one of the cook people. Right. That's what I've that's what I've heard some people say that they're like yeah, by the way, that show is kind of just what it is. I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> Two episodes left to go to get all the way caught up with this latest season. Um, just not enough hours in the day for the most part. In a world where, like, Armored Core and fucking um, Starfield dropped, like, almost back-to-back, I have just been completely sucked into... Uh, Monster Hunter now and Loop Hero. Those aren't even... Wait, I was watching you play Armored Core. Did you get it and then just get distracted by older games? Dude, I've played like four hours total of that game. Really? And you saw like 30 minutes of that. Okay, I thought you had just been like spamming that shit. No, no, no. So here's... I'm not worried about it because it's amazing. Like, it's super fun. It's like, do I want to go blow things up with a Gundam? Cool, I can. But like... I don't necessarily need to like really rock that out because it's blowing things up with a Gundam. So you can just go to it whenever you feel like whenever it. I feel like yeah, it. I'm okay. like, I just want to go blow something up. Cool. I'll go play another level of armored core. Um, now those other ones just sucked me in. Can monster hunter now is so good. Is that new? Is that yeah, I've not so heard about this monster one. hunter now is the new Neantic. It's the Monster Hunter version uh, of Pokemon Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, God, I do not like that name. But anyways, well, you're were you still playing Pokemon Go? Because no, I had pretty much fallen off. Yeah, Pogo. you and I had 
any mm. Pokemon Go that you and I have been playing died when we picked up Marvel Snap. Right, right. But friend, coworker, and future guest uh, Marcus turned me on to this. Oh, did he it was... finally agree? Oh, I mean, I've been fucking working on that for like two years. Anyway, I mean, it's. I mean, I think it's more just like, what are we going to get him on for? And because he keeps thinking like it has to be one thing, and I'm like, dude, you can come on and do multiple episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be the perfect episode. Anyway. Uh, I mean, he's a big Monster Hunter guy, and so he's like, this is dropping, like, if you want to give it a shot, like, I'll hunt with you sometimes. I'm like, I'll give it a shot. Like, I don't dislike the Monster Hunter games. I never got super into them, but mm -hmm. I've played a few of them. Um, never, never super in-depth, because I enjoy the games, but just in my head, there's weird little hurdles that I have to get over with those games that, because parts of it just intrinsically don't make sense to me because there's a so a i've big, never played a monster hunter game i so know a big like what part is, of the monster like, hunter games is like you're killing the monsters to take the parts take the parts so that you can build and upgrade your gear because your your actual character doesn't level up it's Just all about leveling okay. up your gear i didn't know i knew you upgraded gear i didn't know you didn't level up yourself yeah your guy is just always your guy oh interesting the things you can do are all based on the gear that you're wearing so here's, I don't know why this bugs me so much, but like, let's say you need a tail from this creature. Mm -hmm. You go cut off the tail. Mm -hmm. That makes sense, right? But if you need like, basically any part that you need for sure from a creature, the best way to try to get that part is to constantly hit that part. Oh, so, I mean, I get from a gameplay thing where that created, because they're like, oh, that's the thing getting the most attention increases the odds. But I also get from a, like, that tail would be fucking hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> like, there would be nothing left of that tail. I hit it so many times. Yeah, or like, I need this fucking head ridge, so why did I smash it with my hammer 500 times? <laughs> I can't use the eyeball if I poked it with a sword. Exactly. <laughs> I've always ran into that problem. I've also, uh, and ne neither of these are on the scale that made, like they were the reason I didn't play the game. They were just maybe the reasons I didn't go full fucking hog into the game. Mm -hmm. The other one is like, I grew up hunting in real life. And part of that is like trying to make sure that you're a good enough shot to put down the animal as quickly and as painlessly as possible. Yeah. I and Monster CC's... Hunter is all about, like, whacking at a fucking animal for, like, 20 minutes. I know CeCe's definitely encountered that because she's big-time hunter of uh, some of the, like, hunting in video games really, like, kind of exacerbates the negative imagery of hunters in real life because they think of it as, like, oh, what's that fucking shooter game that's in like every bar uh, oh like the, uh, the big buck hunting or yeah. whatever it is yeah where you're just going like hog wild or you know this is going to date me to the early 90s but playing oregon trail and literally being part of the like killing off the bison problem right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fucked up like uh, looking back at it as an adult i was like Oh, this no. is especially <laughs> fucked up as I'm wearing a land back shirt, but like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Those two things about that series have always just like, I've never been able to quite shake them out of the back of my mind. 
But like the hunts in this aren't 20 minutes of whacking at a monster. It's like if you can't kill it in a minute and 15 seconds, you fail the hunt. Oh, yeah. Oh, so it's a lot like Pogo raids. Yeah. Just... And except like instead of just sitting there tapping on your screen, mm-hmm. the monsters all have move sets. So you actually have to dodge and like learn what different moves look like so that you don't get fucking hit and waste all your health and not be able to hunt until it regenerates. Interesting. Okay. Um, I still, since you're out in the sticks again now, I still wouldn't recommend it for you. No, I do not plan to. Like, the monster spawns are good. They do get worse rurally, but they're not terrible. They're not. But at a certain point... There's no Pokestop for 10 miles. And the, the, like, gathering nodes are basically where the old Pokestops were. Yeah, I mean, that's a Niantic trick, and I don't blame them for that. Like, that's just a... Mm -hmm. We've had to make 16 of these games between... Because they had their original one, their Pikmin one, their Pokemon one, their Harry Potter one, which I briefly tried before... You know, this was back in the day. Right. uh, Before being like, this sucks compared to fucking Pogo. I still want to play Pogo. I just... I'll tell you what, though. Like, this has gotten me up and walking around, I think, more than even Pogo did at its height. Because it's a lot of instances where it's like, I only need two more, you know, Toby Kadachi prime scales, and one is a block away. I might need to try it out, because, like, I'm... I mean, we've never had this. I am a large man. And I am to the point of large man that I'm like, I should nip this in the bud before I become unhealthy large man. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I'm trying to start to balance that out a little more but i fucking hate the gym i just it's not fun for me and i am such a creature of impulse that if it's not fun for me i'm either going to do something fun which in my case is usually read a book or play marvel snap or sleep Mm. so i have the energy to do something fun so like i should just start playing pogo again on like after work for like 45 minutes like or there's this, usually or some whatever. pretty good like, monster spawns around work. Me and me and Marcus went hunting for like two hours after work the other night. Well, and like, you know, people in Missoula know this, but if you don't, whatever, we're going to talk about my town for a sec there. There's that river trail fucking yeah, right six there. blocks from us. And mm-hmm. it's so nice. It's all, even on the worst day of winter. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I do. I recommend it over trying to go back into Pogo because like I said, at least it's more of a game well and there's a point with pokemon go where you're like "Eh, i've got so many of you like i just and i'm so behind now that when i look at the various like special research stuff it's just overwhelming or like oh i need to snap a picture of this pokemon that hasn't been seen in the wild in like three years well and i mean pogo is now officially the pokemon game with the most amount of pokemon in yeah, because it's a fucking nightmare to yeah. load that many <laughs> Pokemon into an actual game. Um, and then I guess, well, okay, because we were just talking about it anyway off mic. Like, uh-huh. I did get and go through the story of MK1, although that's about all I've done so far, other than maybe, like, I'm maybe an eighth of the way into the invasion storyline this season. Maybe? <laughs> We had a point while we were talking about it that I was like, fuck, we should be recording this right now. Like, yeah. I mean, dude, it's super interesting. Like, I really like what they did with this 
reboot. Do we call it a reboot? What is it? It's the new 52. We already discussed that off. Like, it's it's a... No, it's definitely a reboot. It, it is because it's a reboot a that falls in continuity, though. Yeah, so it's the new 52. Yeah. The reboot happened because this specific instance. It is, to borrow a term from DC, a crisis event. Yeah. MK11 was a crisis event, and this is the relaunch that happens afterwards. Um, I'm not sure how much of it I'm, like, super happy about, but everything is so interesting the way that it's unfolds God, with the all these 52. characters okay. that I've known yeah. you know, since I was well, in fucking second grade or something. All of the characters have a few too many seams to their costume that don't really need to be there and like slightly armored, slightly not. It's that MCU look that the new 52 leaned pretty hard into and that, uh, well, the MCU has like made normal and I, I'm back and forth on it because there's some characters where it works perfectly. And then there's others like blind Kenshi. I was like, you don't need to be wearing this like futuristic look. You should just be wearing old school shit. You're blind Kenshi. I mean, most of the story up until those mission cutscenes that you saw, that's fair. He's just wearing like a suit. Okay. That's interesting. But like, you know, I don't, and I didn't see him with these, so it's probably okay. But like the Lin Kuei, unless you're doing like, the fucking robot ninja Lin Kuei, which is its own goddamn yeah, the thing. Lin Kuei. Yeah. Those can look kind of MCU armor, modern, too many seams. But, like, Frieza and Sub-Zero should look like high fantasy more than... So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because it does seem to be hinted that when we get the cyber Lin Kuei this time around... It's going to be less cyber Lin Kuei and more Lin Kuei and Iron Man outfits. Well, we'll see. Either way, it's probably about time to update the Lin Kuei robot design because it hasn't changed since like 1995. And I do respect the <laughs> tradition of it, but also it's like Cyborg. If I'm going to keep using DC references, it's like Cyborg. Cyborg remains awesome, and his old-school design is nonstop classic. But you gotta kinda update with the time every few years, or you're gonna have him looking like, um... What were those old Apple computers that had, like, the semi-clear outside shell? Oh, shit. Those ones? The, it's not iMac. It's a... Uh, I don't remember, but I can picture it in my yeah, head exactly. right now. But like, and it's a great design, but it, it, if you don't update from that, you're going to look eternally 2002. I'm not going to get into all the details and all the nitty-gritty, but if you are listening and are confused why I don't know whether to call it a reboot or not, it's because at the end of the last game... Liu Kang becomes the Keeper of Time and gets to reshape the timeline. So technically, this game takes place after all of the other games, but it's at the beginning of a new timeline for the games where everything has been basically reset to where it was in the first game, but with just slight changes. Uh, if you want to hear more about it, we did do an episode on this fucking in like 2019, 2020. Of like the story up to that yes, point. Yes, yeah. of uh, the Mortal Kombat storyline stuff. And on one hand, 
it's hella informative. On the other hand, it is from like the first 20 episodes of our podcasts, and I don't listen to those ones no more. Like, I yeah. just... I I have trouble going back further than like a because you know I do try to listen to our podcast at least I mean you edit it so you listen mm-hmm. to it all the goddamn time but like I to at least be like all right what are the you know the phrases I'm using too often what is the where am I umming too much I can't go back too far because I'm like oh no I'm I'm bad at this. <laughs> Um, yeah, that one I kind of wish I could have a redo, you, but the, I don't want to do a redo because it's way too much to say. Fucking from, like, the first episode. Maybe we've been talking off and on about doing Patreon for fucking ever, and we actually are getting to a point where hopefully in the next year we'll really get it launched because mm-hmm. schedules are lining up a little better for us to be able to do some extra content. Maybe we could do a, like, Patreon-exclusive noob island like three-parter yeah that might be like (laughs) rather than trying to stuff it all into one yeah because there's a lot we've learned we've grown as creators yeah there's a lot to that um the the short version though is like raiden isn't a god any longer he's cousins with kung lao and Scorpion, Sub-Zero, and Smoke are all brothers. I think those are the things that people are going to want to care to know because those are the popular characters Mm -hmm. and are, like, some of the most easily noticeable changes. Everything's the same, but If you're invested in the Mortal Kombat storyline, those are the most easily noticeable changes. Which, in fairness, Mortal Kombat is the only fighting game franchise that I've ever been invested in the storyline. Right, which for a given value of invested. I was about to say the same for me, which makes me really sad for both of us because I know the other fighting games have better storylines. Oh, probably. Like Street Fighter definitely has a better storyline. I didn't know Street Fighter had a storyline. Oh, Street Fighter has a storyline. I used to follow the Street Fighter storyline. The only one that I kind of know is the Soul Calibur one where the story is aggressively stupid. Soul Calibur 2. But Soul Calibur 2 is like, you know, it's not that I'm a big fighting game guy. So like my, I have friends that would fucking kill me if I said this, but I'll still put soul Cal two is like one of the greatest fighting games of all time. I love that game. Oh, it's so fucking, cool. I love that game. I put hundreds of hours in both the GameCube and Xbox versions. I had, I bought that game twice on multiple. Platforms. I still have the GameCube version. Yeah. And I actively dislike it on any other version. Cause that's the one I learned. On. Link makes ringing out enemies fucking easy. Yeah. Cause he's got that stupid, like stab, up the plus his his throw angle is weird and so it's easy to position them to just ring them out Uh, yeah that's fair i guess just because i'm taking forever it seems like i will finish off this um i let's see the other um reservation dogs ended and you said it ended ended it ended ended yep well okay so sterling harjo's already been talking in interviews about this as far as this storyline is concerned, it's ended. He does have ideas for like spinoffs and even like a movie that would kind of be like uh, a reunion of the reservation dogs in a way. But like this storyline is ended. This storyline's done, but there's other ideas that could take place in this world. Yes. Okay. That I hope he gets greenlit for because I would watch any and all of them. Um, I am. Definitely biased towards this show already, but even trying to set that as like 
doing my best to set that aside and just like examine what happens in the show, it's one of the best television finales I've ever seen. Awesome. It it wraps everything up so well and like uh I yeah, there's a bunch I could say about it, but we'd have to go into details about it. And, but it does such a good job of actually just like capping off the themes of the show and like reiterating and yeah, it's wild. I think I mean, obviously, I've not seen Reservation Dogs, so I can't place it on the scale of stuff. I think my two favorite finales, the Star Trek Next Gen finale is, all good things, is a fucking masterpiece. There are parts that make me want to leave the room because I can't handle awkward. Mm -hmm. And it there's just awkward moments because Picard is being thrown through time. So he's like knowing stuff that he shouldn't know in the past and being like, no, you just got to trust me. Shut up. Like, and acting insane to people in the past because it's like, this is going to happen next. And they're like, what? (laughs) Uh, But like, it's very well done. It's a nice, like it does a good job of showing the growth of the characters throughout the show on a show that legendarily doesn't have a lot of character growth. And the final scene is absolute perfection. I think my other next one is has to be fucking 30 rock. Oh, okay. The final season of 30 rock is fucking weak compared to all of it. And then they just, kill it in the final episode and that's it like man the the series finale for reservation dogs it might be might be in the top five episodes of the show but it's not the number one by any means mm-hmm. but it just does a, such a good job of like being that end piece and like especially because i felt like they were gonna have a really hard time ending this because it's a show about kids right so like you have to end it in a way that feels satisfying but you have to allow them to be able to go on. Yeah. Because you can't just end a show about kids, a comedy about kids, by, like, killing them all. Yeah, no, that's not going <laughs> to... That, that shit ain't going to roll. <laughs> um, like, you have to have that look forward to the future while being like, I'm okay leaving them here. Well, and that's what's so fucking hard about... I mean, that's what's so hard about any season or series finale, but especially one with younger players. And, like, we'll talk about it because we have an episode coming up on it. I think Ted Lasso, the farther I get from it, the less I like season three, Mm. but like that was such a weird, that would, that was such a hard landing for them on that one. And I mean, and the, the other finale that we've raved about on this show for fucking black adder goes forth. Like they had it easy. They did get to kill them. Yeah. They're just dead. (laughs) Well, and I mean, and like it makes sense for the story. It makes sense for the story, and it makes sense for the plot device of the way they do because they all almost always end with, and now Black Adder is dead. Mm-hmm. I think he survives in one. Three. Yes, he survives in Black Adder the third. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, especially in World War One, you don't end that with all of your characters going home happy. Right. Right. So, like, yeah, that's a great finale, but. They had the easy way out. Making me sob uncontrollably, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I've already rewatched that entire third season another time, just to like get it all in again. I fucking love that show to death. And I think that's about it. I've been watching a shit ton of Reservation Dogs over and over again, basically. Man, I was told Shorzy was launching like a couple of days ago, but it turns out it was launching in on Canada Crave. on yep. Crave. It doesn't launch in the States until end of this month. And fair enough, but man, like, I was so mad when I fucking logged on ready for Shorzy and, like, 
Well, I can't make my wife watch the first season again. Like, I've, I've done it too many times. She kind of gets this look anytime I realize there's someone with me who would like Shorzy who has not seen Shorzy because <laughs> she knows what we're doing with our afternoon now. <laughs> um, Jim, Jim, Jim. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for the chips. Uh, uh, watch another season of Letter Kenny with a buddy that we've been slowly watching it through. But, like, you know, I've seen that season before. It was... um. The one with the adult spelling bee, which is like the weakest episode oh, yeah. of the series, but that's the season. Okay. Uh, hard right J. I love watching them kick the shit out of the hard right. Uh, God, I had so much stuff. Um, I read a series. I've mentioned a series on here before called Atomic Robo. Yeah. Which is one of the most perfect comic book series ever created. Like it just, everything it does, it does right. I'm not saying the sentence, but it, that. Um <laughs> And they have spinoffs of that, of stories that take place in that same universe called Real Science Adventures. And this one is called The Nicodemus Job. I, I might have mentioned it before because I fucking love this comic book. But it is, have you ever watched Leverage? No. Okay, do you know what that, I'm not going to say, uh, uh, do you know what Leverage is? And then not explain because douche move on this podcast. Leverage was one of those, I think it was USA Network. Okay. But it was one of those shows that fits along lines of like uh, suits or um, white collar or burn notice or like here is a episode of the week, like episodic format monster of the week, but with like crime right, instead. Right. And it was a bunch. It, it was a group of various people, some of them criminals, some of them like former FBI agent or so. I don't remember what specifically he used to do. I think he was an insurance claims investigator or something. And, but basically they form a like little oceans 11 criminal gang. Here's the hacker. Here's the muscle. Here's the face. Here's the whatever. And they just do a heist every episode to help someone who needs help. Okay. Oh, so-and-so was like okay. screwed over by whatever. We're going to do a heist where we like prove their innocence. And we're also going to steal from the insurance company that screwed them over at the same time to fund our adventures, whatever, blah, 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 blah. It is trashy fucking television, but it is compelling trash. And like Steven and I were talking about this the other day and I was hoping to have this conversation with him here. But he's off doing, I don't know, I assume cool stuff. There is something about compelling trash that I'm just eternally in love with. Oh, yeah. And this, literally, they stole, like, every episode of Leverage was the something job. Okay. The, you know, the gateway job, the Van Gogh job. I don't fucking know. I'm making right. this up as I go along. Uh they were so openly stealing the concept of leverage for this real science adventures mini that it was called the Nicodemus job. And it is leverage placed in Constantinople during the Byzantine empire. Hmm. So it is characters from hmm. Constantinople for before the fall doing a heist in like the 1500s. I don't know the era, so don't quote me on that, but like, so it, it's a, like historic fantasy, but also a trashy heist. We have to break into the emperor's personal whatever to steal this Bible. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It's 
really fucking good. And I'm so mad that there's not like an ongoing series of minis of this, of like, here's a heist, here's a whatever. It would never be made into a TV show because you could not justify the cost of let's do a heist show, but let's also do a period drama. Right. Every episode. But like it is the way it is made. It is just built to be like a, you know, two episode series premiere. It's really good. Um, I am somewhere into season two of Kim possible. I don't remember if I mentioned starting. I I think think I mentioned mentioned that I started it it. Mm -hmm. and CC's pretty like willing to roll with whatever I watch with the exception of power Rangers, where she was like, you do not need to pause this for me. Uh, (laughs) And you're like, but the giant armadillo is turning into a (laughs) soccer ball and is about to bowl over their giant Zord. Which is fair. I'm always a little embarrassed when I watch power Rangers and like, I'm, I do this fucking show. I own my nerdiness, but there's one here where I'm like, have I gone too far? (laughs) (laughs) And like, she never criticizes or anything with like Kim possible, but she always gives me this slightly weird look when I'm watching, when she gets home of like, really? You're still on this? You're like the naked mole rat. I was about to say naked mole rat. (laughs) That's why. (laughs) And a lot of times with stuff that I'm watching like that, she'll get curious or want, and she has shown like, and who knows, maybe she's just not telling me, but like she has shown no interest whatsoever, which is fine. It's nice to have a show that you don't have to watch with your partner because I watch a lot and I love Mm -hmm. watching shows with CC. I prefer watching shows with CC, but it's nice to have something that like, it's my one day that I don't have anyone else at the house and I am just going like a full feral eating chips and salsa in my underwear. Yeah. This is really making my life sound sad, but it's like <laughs> one part of one day a week. Like it's mm-hmm. not my life. Um, just that, that, that time. Yeah. Mostly naked chips and salsa time. <laughs> Watching a kid's cartoon. Oh no. I, I've, I've made this bad. Um, uh, and then, oh, I finished the Ahsoka season finale. I did start that. I just need to get further into it. Um, I've, I've literally only watched the first episode so far. First episode's slow as fuck. Yeah, I was going to say, my takeaway from it is that I walked away from it smiling and happy that I watched it, but I cannot tell you a single thing that happened in that episode. I was so, I've been so curious about this because it is... Fucking tits deep into the uh, stuff from the cartoons to the point of like nothing that happened in that first episode mattered to me one bit. That's my takeaway. So I am trying to remember what happens in that first goddamn episode. Like because other than Ray Stevenson looking like the fucking man, Ray Stevenson fucking rules in this. Which is weird, because he does not do much. He mostly stands there looking cool and saying enigmatic things. Enigmatic things mm-hmm. that that's mostly, but like, okay. So you have, I mean, you don't really know who Sabine is. Not really. Like, so I, like mean, a little bit. Cause you're I don't, aware that she's a Mando girl. Right. Right. Like I never stayed away from rebel spoilers. Mm-hmm. Like I know in very general terms, what happened in that show, but the, very general terms, the character that Clancy Brown played, he played the animated version of that character in rebels. Oh. He only appears in this one episode. It's mostly cause they're like, well, he looks like him. Like, <laughs> why not? I don't know how far you got into Clone Wars, so I don't know if you've met Hu Yang. 
The robot played by David, the droid played by David Tennant. Oh shit. Did I get, how far did I get in the Clone Wars? I don't even remember where Hu Yang appears. I just remember I fucking love those episodes because it's David Tennant playing a centuries old droid that trains Padawans. Like, that's fucking amazing. That's pretty dope. <laughs> Sabine, I, not Sabine, uh, uh, Hera probably means next to nothing to you. Chopper means next to nothing to you. Yeah, uh, Hera means next to nothing to me, but I fucking squeed at uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead wearing the Ramona flower, flower goggles. <laughs> that's true. I didn't even think of that. Like, that's what I noticed. Uh, I know the internet is really in love with her butt in that jumpsuit, and I do not blame them at all. <laughs> at all. Yeah. <laughs> I that's love where that I was she's like, married I know to, those goggles. I love that she's married to Uma McGregor, which means him, her, and his daughter, which I believe is with her as well. I'm not certain on that. I don't know enough yeah, about Uma McGregor's sure. backstory. But, uh, are all part of Star Wars now. Hmm, that's cool. Because, I mean, she shows up in like one episode of Obi-Wan, but still. Right, but there. still. That's, she's there. That's, that's fucking neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that episode meant nothing to me other than like it was fine. Like there's nothing bad about it. It's just like. Yeah, I am so I am so in love with that fucking series. I. And I've heard that even for people that were not liking it that much, that like at episode five, it just like. I don't remember if it's four or five, but there is one point where like we have stuff that the characters are all kind of like struggling and not really connecting and I get that. That is just, I mean, that's an ongoing plot point in a lot of stuff, but it is kind of frustrating to watch. And then we get one of my favorite Star Wars things of all time. But I really have learned I love the, like, people, somewhat high concept people growing stuff, too. Because, like, I've, I'm watching through Book of Boba Fett with one of my friends, and the fucking best episode of Book of Boba Fett is where the lizard climbs up Boba Fett's nose and he trips nuts and then makes a gaffy stick and becomes one of the sand people. Right. It's one of the best things Star Wars ever done. Whether you like Book of Boba Fett or not, that, that like episode, part of yeah. that episode is gorgeous. I'll agree with that. Also, a lizard climbs up Boba Fett's nose and like it's a logical plot point, which is amazing. And then, like, Ahsoka has, like, a growth-learning moment in, like, the episode that I'm talking about that takes the show from, like, I'm I'm enjoying this. I admit that I'm enjoying it more than most because I am a huge Rebels fan, so, like, I'm getting more of stuff Mm -hmm. that I want than being like, oh, holy shit, this was so good. And the series kind of maintains some of that momentum, and that episode does more to grow the world of Star Wars than... Anything has in a long fucking time. Yeah, like I said, the all I've heard is that there's a point, I, I think for most people it's episode five, where even the people that were actively not liking the show, but not to the point where they quit it, were suddenly like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is cool. Yeah. So I'm excited is... to get there. Mm-hmm. I am so bummed that Ray, I mean, I'm bummed that Ray Stevenson died because I'm bummed that like a guy died, but I'm so bummed because, all right, spoiler, he is not dead at the end of the season, which I was expecting. I knew that he wasn't dead at the end of the season, mostly because I just, I saw a screenshot of his last appearance in the season. Yeah. Because they were like, this is a bummer since he passed. I don't know who would I would want to do that role. Like, I can't think of 
And um, I feel bad for whoever ends up doing it. Oh God, why can't I think of his name? I've seen something saying Lee Schreiber would be great at it. The guy who oh, played uh, Sabretooth. So I think I got to, why can't I think of his name? Um, he does the voice for Dracula in Castlevania. He was the cowboy and preacher, the saint of killers and preacher. Um, he's one of the dwarves in the fucking Hobbit movies. Well, well, not hold that against him. <laughs> Actually, I liked the dwarves in the Hobbit movie. That's the only thing I liked about the Hobbit movie. Graham McTavish, this guy. Um, I'm not, I know I've seen him and stuff. I'm not placing him who he is. Other than, I mean, I heard him in Castlevania. Where I was he about to say, that's probably the biggest job. thing that you're going to know him from. He's played Loki in a few things. Dwalin, I don't remember which one fucking. Was Dwalin the old one? Mm, I don't fuck Fino, dude. <laughs> mm -hmm. Those movies were. exist. I think just looking at him, I like the idea of Leaf Schreiber better. Mm. But uh, I'm sure this guy could do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm mostly thinking of like, because like he was a saint of killers. Yeah, if you can play the Santa Killers, you can play an intimidating. God, I'm going to go with Dark Jedi. <laughs> like, okay, he's not Sith. There's right. no part of it. He doesn't have the red lightsaber. He has an orange one, although that's purposely like not quite like. It's uh, red, but it's not. Yeah, exactly. He has a Padawan learner. She's got the fucking. Oh, the little braid. braid. Like, Balin Skull is not a Sith. And he openly is not a Jedi, but he's so in like, there's a bit where they talk about, cause he'll talk, he'll talk up the order a lot or I like mean, talk up his memories. And they're like, do you miss it? And he goes, I miss the memory of it. Not what it became. I'm sure they must've at some point, but of course the, the continuity has always been so fractured and the canon has always been all over the place, especially if we go back into the old EU, but have they ever explored like, um, Jedi alternative sex. I know, I I know the word you actually used, but yeah. you definitely sounded like like oh I know dot com. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean, like yeah, like there's uh, those Catholics that don't actually recognize anything post Vatican two. Catholic, and not like, Catholic. Yeah. Uh, um, because I have to imagine the Jedi have those people. The, you know what I mean? The the High Republic era had ones that were called like Wayfinders or something that were basically Jedi that don't recognize the or the the authority of the High Council. Mm -hmm. That they're like the Force has pulled me off to go do my own shit, try and stop me. And with the implication that by the time of like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and Anakin that that had been cracked down on. That wasn't really allowed anymore, which is too bad because Anakin probably wouldn't have fallen to the fucking dark side if that had been allowed to exist. Right. Like one thing they do mention, which is funny because for a long time, Obi-Wan had that reputation as like the Jedi's Jedi, like the, the, the ultimate of the order. I mean, he's on the high council. He's, I mean, he's the first Jedi that we meet. So we think of him as like the ultimate yeah. example of Jedi. In Ahsoka, they kind of talk about him as, like, he's part of a lineage of fucking psychotic Jedi on the right, scale of like, Jedi. He's, his teacher's Qui-Gon, and Qui-Gon was a bit of a loose cannon. And he's the most, like, fitting in with the order of all of them, but he's still fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi. And when you, especially if you watch your Clone Wars, if you look into what he does, he's a nut. 
<laughs> like, and I love him for it. And I kind of love that they're letting him be a little more mavericky than all of it. Uh, I'm sure you know Hayden Christensen will show up, and mm-hmm. he he shows up a few times. Freddie does good too. He's so good. I mean, I mean, he's always been a better actor than he is in the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in Obi Wan. And he's not a fantastic actor because I've seen more things beyond that. But he's a better actor than that. Well, Looper <laughs> or whatever the hell it was called was yeah. never going to win him any awards. Uh, God, that movie's so fucking cool, though. <laughs> I think about that movie all the time. Oh man, we might have to just do an Ahsoka episode because I want to fucking get into it. Yeah. You know how it is. Anytime I want to like rewatch something, I'm like, well. General Nerdery is calling my name. Yep. Well, it's kind of like how we are going to use this show to make you watch Reservation Dogs. Yeah. Yep. I'm openly <laughs> yep. supportive of this idea. This is not a make me. This yep. is a give me an excuse to put it higher on my list. Oh, last stuff is I read the uh, TMNT Power Rangers second cro- comic book crossover. Oh, sweet. TMNT Power Rangers 2. How is it? It's good. It is the arts by Dan Mora, who is uh, such a fucking rising star in comics right now. He did a bunch of Power Rangers work. I think he did some of the Power Rangers work that we read when we did that episode. And he's been doing Batman Superman World's Finest, and he just did a Shazam series. He's not a superstar yet, but he's going to be a superstar in a couple of years. Uh, And then Ryan Parrott, who's been doing a bunch of the... Power Rangers stuff did the writing for it. A lot of the TMNT crossovers or just like crossovers where they know they're going to do more than one tend to be trilogies. And this like, you know, the, the Batman Ninja Turtles thing did a trilogy. And there is something about the second series that is always a little weird because like they can skip over the awkward. And now I've met these people and we have to explain who they are, even though if you're reading the fucking Power Rangers Ninja Turtles crossover, you clearly are already aware of who these people are. Sorry, I just realized why I know the name Dan Mora. Dan Mora has my favorite Sunspot variant in Snap. Oh yeah, Dan Mora. I'm not surprised. Dan Mora's fucking great. It's the it's the Sunspot I use. It's the the that one. Oh, I didn't realize that was Dan Mora. Okay, awesome. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. He's really good. I was like, that name is so familiar. Like, okay. But like the second of of the if you're going to do a trilogy of weird crossovers the first one is a little awkward as the two teams or two groups whatever meet each other learn how to deal with each other it kind of works it kind of doesn't mm-hmm. the second one you don't have to deal with the weird meet cute so they can like you can bounce the characters off each other better but you are either doing like the less interesting villains like krang will never beat shredder Right. Krang is worse than Treader. And if you're doing a like combined universe, you're starting to break the canon of the two a little more. Mm-hmm. And then the third one will go completely off the rails, but it'll be really cool. And they haven't announced the third one yet, but that's my bet. And they've, they've clearly set it up. And the third one's going to be Lord Zed and the Shredder, which is what I fucking wanted Ooh. in the first place because it's Lord Zed and the Shredder. It's the two Heavy hitters. Like, as much as I fucking love Rita Rita Repulsa and have affection for that, Lord Zed gave me nightmares for multiple years. 
and just in my defense, I was five. Getting to see those two look side by side. It looks it, drawn by Dan Mora. It looks fucking cool. That's killer. <laughs> oh, yeah. That yeah. Let's that. You know, before we transition to this next part, I just I want to give a small shout out because the other day, uh, my boy from way back in the day, Angus, hit me up, and he let me know that his older brother James is going through our entire back catalog right now. I'm happy and sorry, James. Like we've already made fun of our early episodes, so but like that's really so cool. as far as this. But here's the thing: as far as this, like me doing this show goes, like. Low key, James is one of the biggest nerdy influences on my life. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. When I was a little kid, like he gave me like we were just talking Star Wars. So he gave me the anthology book Tales from the Empire, the one that had Boba Fett on the front, but didn't have any stories with Boba Fett in it. Yeah, it pissed me off. <laughs> Tales of the Bounty Hunter is better, but Tales from the Empire was pretty good. Like, I guess I don't know this for 100% sure, but knowing all of Angus's brothers, like I have to assume it was... James's Shadowrun and D&D source books that me and him used to read where Angus was basically my first DM ever. Mm. Like we wouldn't we didn't know how to actually play or at least we didn't try to actually play. We would go through the rules on how to roll a character and we'd fill out a character sheet and have all of that and then we would just go to the park and pretend to be those characters. Oh dude, I did that so fucking often. And Angus would be the one coming up with like all the scenarios we would be in. So he was your LARP DM, but it wasn't because you were a little kid, so you're just playing pretend. Yeah. Which is what fucking LARP is, but... But, like, it was, yeah, it was like unofficial LARPing, basically. Hell yeah. Uh, but I have to imagine, knowing his brothers, that it was mostly James's shit that we were j jacking. Man, a friend of mine actually did a full weekend immersive LARP, and I kind of want to do it now, like... I'm fucking good at that. I don't know actually if I'd be good at like really fully diving in. But anyways, cool. So glad you're listening, James. Like I'm like... And also just, yeah. And like, I don't know. I, I guess maybe, I mean, Blood Bowl was probably James's that we used to play. Like, I mean, that was probably James and Trampus together. But like, once again, James was the nerd. So like, guessing it was probably his. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, because you know how it is. Like, technically, well... You know, when, the, when there's, like, groups and there's there's the family together and technically, like, the 64 is his, but it's everybody's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm guessing that technically one of the systems that we used to play on was James's. Maybe, like, we were just talking about Mortal Kombat. I was probably playing his fucking Mortal Kombat. <laughs> so James is, like, we owe James a beer, is what you're telling me. Dude, yeah. As far as, like, me being on the show, it never happens without his influence in my life. So, like... Hey, James, if you ever want to be on the show, hit us up. And also Angus, of course. And Ang like, was Angus the one that we did the Red Dwarf with back in the day? No, no that's, that's Jesse. Um, Jesse, thank you. I knew it was wrong. But. So just, like, I don't know if you're only listening to them in order or if you're also catching the new ones when they drop, but, like, thanks, man. I kind of hope the second one, because then you can be like, it will get better. I'm, I, I will stop making fun <laughs> of our get old better. stuff. <laughs> I mean, I think he's up at least until the 60s already. Oh, hell yeah. And because he emailed us about one of the episodes, like that was like number 57 the other day. Fuck yeah. Now I want to. Okay. And during the break, show me that. Anyways. Thank you, James. Love you, bud. I guess I've not met you. I'm sure you're cool. Um, take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about Daniel Radcliffe going feral. So you were saying to me, this is your favorite. Oh yeah. I think this is my favorite season. Okay. That's really interesting. 
I do not say this as a negative because I really fucking enjoyed this season. I think it's my least favorite. I just, I think, I like all catching all the references. Yes, and that's why I'm not surprised at all that it is your favorite. And again, my least favorite season of Miracle Workers, I'm still going to put over most television. So, like, I don't, I, I feel weird going in with that, but I've just been thinking about that because it was like, this is Tyler's favorite. This could easily be the best. I'm being like, I get it. No, I it's do. my favorite for the extremely superficial reason of being like, ooh, I love playing Spot the Reference. That is, yes. That's why I look like a lot of the Star, not Star Trek, uh, the, a lot of the, well, Lower Decks, but a lot of the <laughs> um, Marvel shows, so I super get it. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. Oh man, I've been watching Lower Decks too, but we're not. We've already done that part. Oh of yeah, show. I did start Lower it on Decks. that too. <laughs> I started in on it. I'm, I'm not too far into the new. Yeah, I did get up to I Moopsie. Fucking though. love Moopsie. Okay, <laughs> we are talking about lo- uh, not Lower Decks. I almost said we were talking about Lower. De- uh, we are talking about the end times. Dude, from the get go, like they dropped the fucking Mad Max intro, and yes. I just about shit myself every time. No, it's so good. It is really, really good, and I fucking love. Boomtown, because it's clearly fucking from Fallout Megaton. 3 Megaton. And Megaton's my favorite part of the uh, the Capital Wasteland. Mm-hmm. Like, there's other places that are more dangerous or cooler stuff. But, like, Megaton's where I just like to hang out. I never fell in love with the Capital Wasteland as much as I did the Wasteland from the older games. The, the out, being out west. Fallout 3 was my first Fallout game, mm. so I have a slightly different relationship with it than I do the I went others. into 2 first. And that makes sense. So when people are like, these aren't the real Brotherhood of Steel, that's what the Brotherhood of Steel should be. And then I went to fucking New Vegas and met what the Brotherhood of Steel should be and was like, you guys suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, no. Do. Oh. <laughs> like, the others were a pain in the ass, but I kind of liked, like, they were, you know... The the Brotherhood Outcast or whatever they were mm-hmm. called, like the Capital Wasteland Brotherhood, were at least like trying to help people. And I was like, yeah, okay, you're a flawed group trying to make the world better. Into it. Well, the real Brotherhood is like, oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, no, that's why it's great to kill them and that, take their yes, armor. Yep, yep, <laughs> I get it. I just, I did not understand back in the day why it bothered people. Also, Liam Neeson was my dad. That is so great every time. I'm like, oh, Liam. Dad. And then he's been taken. Yeah. Man, <laughs> man I don't know, man. Like, this season just in general, though, kind of tickles me. Like, uh, fucking Wasteland Wanderer and Warlord try to settle down in the post-apocalyptic suburbs. I do suburbs. absolutely adore the concept. I was going to say, as much as it's a love letter to post-apocalypse stuff, it's kind of just a love letter to, like a certain era of sci-fi. And I know Terminator really is post-apocalypse stuff, but we never spend much time. You normally think about it, right? Well, because we don't spend time in it. And the only one that we did, no one liked. Yeah. I never even saw that one. I mean, I've only seen some. I'm not a Terminator guy. Terminator 2 is good in a trashy way. I Okay. This is my favorite overall season. It has my least favorite episode. Which one? Jim Carrey in the park. I was going to guess that was it, yeah. Which is funny on a metal. Like, I love the idea that, like, instead of Shakespeare in the park, that it's Jim Carrey in the park. I think, yeah. I, I, like, I, something about that's great. They keep that shit going far too long in that episode. It's the adult spelling bee from Letterkenny. It is 
probably the weakest episode of the series or up there. Fuck, I'm going to say it understood the assignment. It, it, it had an idea and it fully explored that idea. But we didn't need to, to be explored at the end but of it. But it didn't, I don't know if that idea it deserved a full episode. Like, thing, the, yeah. Deserved an A plot? Yeah, because what was the B plot of that one? That was, uh, what was Sid up to? That was Sid goes on a weekend trip with Tiny's friends. Okay, that was so much more interesting watching yes. him and. Because we. They, and all the ties? Yeah. Because uh, those two didn't heavily interact in season three. So it was kind of fun to see them bounce off each other because we saw them a lot in season two. Again, I'm talking about the actors, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, uh, if you have somehow not ever seen Miracle Workers but are listening to our season four episode of Miracle Workers. Uh, anthology series. Anthology series, same cast, different characters, different background and story each season. There is weird continuing threads, though, because, like, this has been a growing romance. Yes, in season one, and actually it is maybe my favorite thing Miracle Workers has done. In season one, it's having a crush on this person, but not really, like, they have some openly flirty stuff in the final episode, but they don't really become a couple. They just have no. that, like, they're just like, oh, they're acknowledging, yeah, you're, you're, you're cool. Let's, they're acknowledging yeah. they have affection for each other. In season two, they start to acknowledge their affection for each other way earlier, and then they are a couple by uh, the end. Season three, they're tight from the first moment we see them. And then they are like a couple they go on a rocky through. journey. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, and then season four. We don't do any of the meet cute. This is they are married from the get go. Yes. What happens next? I also love the idea of just like, what is married life? Let's have an examination of married life in the post apocalypse. Cause it's a thing that we kind of talk about, especially if you study history and it comes up a lot in Rome. And I know there's been that whole meme thing across the internet lately of how often do men think of Rome? And the answer is more than I want to. But the fall of Rome, if you told the Roman Empire, the people who lived in Rome, Rome fell in f- what 452, for whatever. It's four blank blank. Mm-hmm. They would have been like, what are you talking about? No, it didn't. Like, you don't necessarily recognize that the apocalypse, the civilization has collapsed when it collapsed. Because you keep, because life keeps going, going on. So it makes sense that, like, what is still the same? And they play it for yucks more than a serious examination, but, like, it's fun. Well, it kind of reminds me of, um, got kind of a dour subject, but, like, modern articles, uh, like, talking to people uh, and interviewing people that have lived in some of like the modern civil wars around the world. And for the most part, they're just like, yeah, it was happening, but I was just going to work every day. Like I remember when COVID hit and everyone was like, I thought that when civilization collapsed, we wouldn't have to go to my minimum wage job no more. Yeah. (laughs) Like, but it's kind of just part of it. Yeah. But like, Normal life is still happening, but also also death could come at any time. Isn't that fucking wonderful? 
So here's the other thing. I think I also like this season the best because it's probably the darkest season. Oh, it's easily the darkest season. And they have a human dog. <laughs> God. They, that whole they bit. have oh my god a human dog <laughs> that they straight up just kidnapped yeah that's we're gonna get to him in a sec because i do want to talk about the different characters they're playing mm-hmm. this season i just said it's my least favorite season and like as much as i enjoy spot the reference i sometimes feel it got a little too lost in that like this is the matrix episode this is He's the Terminator. This Matrix. is whatever. It was just a fucking great <laughs> episode. So like, it's a critique and not a critique at the same time. I just, season one told the most cohesive story. Mm-hmm. Season two was, in my opinion, probably the funniest, but I'm such a sucker for fantasy genre that it's really made for me. Season three, I think, had some of the best interplay of the actors. Season four had the best costuming by a long <laughs> shot. Uh, and like the best, I don't know, world building maybe. Mm. But like, again, there was no, you know, there was no, this is the Willow episode in Dark Ages. There was no, this is, I mean, fucking Oregon Trail was just the Oregon Trail. So that was kind of its own thing. thing. I definitely liked Steve Buscemi's character the least in this one. Like, of his characters. Oh, of his characters? Yeah, I'll agree with that. But I'm not supposed to like the shitty junk dealer, so that's fair. He did a good job. I'm not, not, I'm definitely not knocking Steve Buscemi. I just, his fucking class reunion. The, The amount that Steve Buscemi is just willing to play a pervert is remarkable. Because they were like, all right, Steve. You are easily our biggest name credit to this, which is impressive because we have Daniel Radcliffe. Um, you've played God. You've played a literal shit shoveler. You've played uh, 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 like super dangerous gunslinger. It's like, cool. What am I going to play this time? You're going to play a shady businessman that fucks skeletons a lot. Cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> Not as bad as what Sandler makes me do. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I want to go through who the different cast okay. plays on this one. Daniel Radcliffe is back as Sid, who is such a Mad Max reference and has incredibly dark moments, but is the most normal man out of all of them. Like or at least he, trying to be normal. He's the most He's the most normal, normal but he of, also is actively like, I want to live this life. Yes, and he's the one leaning into it. But, like, when he goes feral and they have, like, a flashback to a little girl going, save me, Sid. And then he, like, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about, I loved the going feral scene. It's so fucking funny. Daniel Radcliffe is another character very willing to just commit to the bit to just, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're going to hump a robot corpse into it in your tidy whities Yes, Please, like, I've, he's straight up just wearing, I don't think it's directly what Mad Max wears, but it's so clearly. I think it's closer to the Fallout version. Okay, because, I mean, 
Definitely Fury Road Mad Max wasn't wearing part of the tires as part right. of his vest, but like because it's basically because it's basically the Road Warrior outfit mm-hmm. with a little bit extra on it, and it's a little bit yeah, like you said, it has like the tires and stuff that are a little bit more noticeable. It's really just, good. I love rather that. than just straight up being like a badass leather jacket. I think that I love his jacket in this. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think he could play a weirdly good Mad Max if we ever needed him to. This is not my favorite of Daniel Radcliffe's characters. Honestly, his season one one might be my favorite. Oh, Craig Bog. Craig Bog is so fucking funny. Lord Chauncey's really funny. <laughs> Prince Chauncey, the pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but like, and he he gets the mo- by far the most character growth in that season. But I think I really love Sid. Sid's pretty great. Also, I have to assume he's named after Sid Vicious. Yeah, probably. And also just like having that one mm-hmm. syllable. But he's the Deseret. I mean, he's straight up Mad Max. But Mad Max, who instead of being traumatized and disappearing, decides to get married and... Well, I mean, this is basically what if Mad Max married Furiosa. Yeah. With a little bit of what's-her-name who runs Barter Town. Not... Um, right, uh, uh, Tina Turner's character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, that is Tina Turner's hair. Yes, yes. Um, God, why can't I... What is her name? Why can't I think of this? I don't remember. I'm going to look it up while you go into... And then uh, Steve Buscemi plays Morris the Junkman Rubenstein. I think Benny the Teen from season three is my favorite of Steve Buscemi's characters. Mm. Yeah, because we have God, Eddie, Shit Shoveler, Benny the Teen, and Morris the Junkman Rubenstein. I do enjoy Eddie Shit Shoveler, but like I think Benny the Teen is Auntie Entity. Auntie Entity, yeah, she's got some Auntie energy going on. Yeah, I kind of want to watch the Thunderdome now, which is weird because it's not very good, and I'm not historically a Mad Max fan outside of Fury Road, dude. Once again. To bring them up again, me and Angus back in the day in the old fucking wrestling video games, when they first introduced customizing characters in the like WWF WC- WrestleMania, I think it was uh, WCW versus NWO Revenge. Oh, okay. Uh, we would take the Steiner brothers and name them Master and Blaster. That's fair. After Master Blaster in fucking Thunderdome. I mean, okay, so it's really fair that there's a reason, uh, not Fury Road, uh, uh, um, the second one. Oh, Road Warrior? Road Warrior. God, I, I, I was getting the road part and then stuck. There's a reason Road Warrior is probably the best thought of one, with the possible exception of, of like the original trilogy. But there's so much iconic shit in... Thunderdome? In Thunderdome, even if it goes a little wild in the last like third of the movie. Yeah. Let's find these children living in an oasis and then fly to a... I mean, a really good depiction of a cargo cult, though. Yeah. It, I just, I think it's because everything else was, like, so grim and gritty and dirty, and then we randomly see, like, the kids from Hook living with right. him, kind of, like. Anyways, Geraldine Viswanthan. Viswanthan. Oh, my God. I don't know where the stress is in her name. It's Viswanathan, but I, don't know, but I don't know if I'm putting the stress in the right place. My Montana accent definitely trips over it. Viswanathan uh, plays Freya Exultana, yeah. Lord of the Wasteland. 
I love her, but I think, I don't know, Al Shitshoveler might be my favorite character she plays. She, she played Eliza Hunter in the first one. Shitshoveler, uh, shit Prudence, Prudence Aberdeen. Aberdeen. I don't oh. know. She might be the most even of the act. Like, not... Because they're all pretty... They're all pretty even in my, like, rankings of them. Right, not saying that, like, she played the same character every time, but just, like, it's all the same level of good. She played a pretty similar character each time. I'd say Eliza's in last place for me. It's the other three that I'm having a hard problem with. Yeah, and I rewatched season one recently, and Eliza's still really fun, but she's just... No character other than Steve Buscemi as God stands out in season one as much as they might one character stands out in the other seasons. Mm. Mostly because oddly, considering that it takes place in heaven, they all play relatively normal people. Right. Right. Well, they get to go a little bigger scale in the later ones. Um, I don't know. Freya's fucking great. Yeah, I dig Freya. Freya's great. Karen Sony playing the TI-90 or Ty. That's such a fucking good joke, too. He's a TI-90. Isn't that a fucking... Texas Instruments? Yeah, the... The, the calculators? Uh, graphing calculator, mm-hmm. that's what I was looking for. TI-80, TI-80+. Plus. Bro, I had fucking... I had, like, Breakout on my TI-80. Snake. Phoenix, <laughs> like... You'll never know what we went through, people who grew up with cell phones. Fucking quad form. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then what was the... The Terminator's what? The T... I don't remember what the... Oh, it's just T, isn't it? Like, it's T-8000 and the T-9000. Something and... like that, yeah. So that's what... And he's literally playing the Terminator if he was a sassy gay man. Oh, I sassy really... pan man? I think because he mostly wants to fuck machines, so that's I don't know. I th- well, and I think I think he mentions fucking multiple genders over the course of Let's the season. Let's go with sassy queer man. It, yeah. It's very coded gay, but like it doesn't. Re- I don't remember if he they doesn't ever seem def- to have very much of a preference. No, but just like <laughs> the way that he plays the character. Is, yeah, agreed. Uh, but not in like an offensive. No, way. just like this is him. Yeah, cool. He he plays the sassy gay friend. I Ty might be my favorite. Vexler was really good. Gunslinger was really good. I was gonna. I think maybe Vexler for me. Vexler's really funny. Uh, and then we have John Bass, who is. I've <laughs> never met someone so willing. I've obviously never met him. I've never seen someone so willing to play an embarrassing dingus. So he's wearing the same outfit as the bad guy in Road Warrior, Lord uh-huh. Humongous. But Lord Humongous is Lord Humongous, and he's and not scraps, scraps the, dog. the war dog. Because <laughs> he played Sam, who was just a normal dude who's kind of dumb and a little too connected to his grandma, but like a good dude. <laughs> I forgot about the grandma. <laughs> uh Mikey Shitshoveler, who is just the idiot younger brother and is the dumbest of the of his characters, but not mm-hmm. like in a bad. He's just literally unintelligent. Uh, Todd Aberdeen, who's the absolute worst, but he's supposed to be the absolute worst. And Scraps the War Dog. I have to give this to Scraps the War Dog. Holy cow! What? Who is incredibly dark? So dark. Everything about that character is 
really fucked up. And we'll get back to Scraps, but I really... But he's played so comedic. I really want to actually talk about Scraps more than anything, but I want to uh, really quick... Lolly Adafope... Adafope? I think Adafope, yeah. Uh, comes back. She wasn't in the last season as the neural net. I think I liked her best as Rosie from season one. I agree. Maggie didn't have a lot to do, but it was funny. And the neural net's fine. She plays the neural net. She plays... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Scraps is... In a dark season, Scraps is the unexpected, absolute darkest shit from basically the get-go. Yeah. Because he's... Because it's a human <laughs> dog. And that's not even the darkest fucking thing about him, necessarily. The mailman bit? The mailman bit. Where it's it's a running gag, I think in episode two, maybe three, where he just wants to kill the mailman. Because he's a dog. Because he's mailman. a dog. You're like, okay, yeah. Because it's kind of like Cat and Red Dwarf, right? Yeah. Like, he's just acting like a human dog. And sometimes it's way more human, sometimes it's way more dog. Just like we're used to seeing from Cat and Red Dwarf. Sometimes he's really catty. Not to the extent that he is doggy, but, like, there's times you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. Very you're, you're cat-like fu- behavior. You're walking very around spraying. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but then, randomly, like, the mailman goes home, and they're like, it's your birthday. Our kids are going to be here for a sec. Oh, cool, I'm just going to sit down quietly for a second. And then he fucking shoots him in the trigger warning real quick. This is <laughs> fucking dark. Almost too dark for me. Shoots him in the head. Says, I swear I'd get you. Puts the gun in his hand and jumps out the window while the wife walks in to see that she thinks her beloved husband, like, holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Holy, like, I cannot believe TBS let them do that. Also, this is a guy that was brainwashed into being a human dog. (laughs) And, and they just treat him as a pet the entire time, and, like, it's completely normal. Even Sid, who is, like, the good guy that goes around. He's not my prisoner. He's my pet. Oh, my God. Oh, and then we, like, see him. We see he's rescued by his past life, and it turns out that he wants none of it because he doesn't <laughs> want to be a hardworking, industrious good man. He just wants to sleep and eat. I can't blame him. I get it. <laughs> I get just, it. Like, Maybe not the way to go about it. <laughs> they definitely kill his family <laughs> so that he can never go back again. And Sid is calling the this is the darkest thing you've ever done and they're just like laughing at him and like and it's just kind of played for laughs he has no attachment to his family anymore he just wanted to eat ice cream but like yelling at his daughter because he had to work all day and what time does that leave for scraps josiah josiah no time (laughs) which that clicks for me for someone who has been struggling this last year finding like balance mm-hmm. in time stuff or he's oh, sp- speaking of time uh ty has fucking killing the guy in the past down to a science last he- thing on scraps because it might be yeah. the thing that made me laugh hardest is he's opening up his dog food and singing a song about not remembering the past because it will make you want to kill freya or something like that yeah. like yeah, what was Whoa. it? It's like, you've been brainwashed. Like, <laughs> He's like, like, why do I always think of that song? Like, 
Who is stuck in my head? Christ. <laughs> okay, but <sighs> Ty, who is horny Terminator, horny out of date Terminator, literally goes back in time every day and kills his dude. Uh, John Christ. They do successfully make one absolutely the worst character every season. John Christ might be it. Yeah. I mean, Ruben seems fucking terrible, but there's something about John Christ that makes me want to punch him in oh, yeah. the face. So hard. It's, I mean, it's the line from Scraps. Like, after, well, after having met the guy, it's kind of hard not to side with the robots. <laughs> like, I love the HOA episode. The H. I hate HOA so much. So her, like, siding with the HOA are like, all right, you're not playing a good person this season. Although they run a relatively positive HOA here, like actually trying to do stuff right. as opposed to most HOAs, which is, let's be honest, in a, often used to force out people of color or anyone who's poor. Well, here, Hot it, it kind of makes sense because if you're rebuilding society and depending on how far into the apocalypse they are, they've maybe only ever heard of the concept of HOAs. They still do. The HOA meeting is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do love that Linda is considered the most powerful leader in all of. It was so fucking good. Oh my god! <laughs> it's the best part is when it wraps around at the end and Linda sacrifices herself for Freya. <laughs> Linda, I the thing that this show does so well of taking the mundane and then taking the like absolutely bizarre and blending them together in a way that the characters like acknowledge is kind of weird, but just roll with it. Like the, the gag of she's got the head of her enemies and they're like, that might be a bit dark for the suburbs. And then she plugs them in. So they're singing and he's like, yeah, that's cute. Like they, they're so weirdly because, uh, uh, dark ages didn't oh. do like that joke, but had that similar ability of like, here's mundane, normal life. And also here's this like, weird fantasy world that we live in. The HOA episode also had all the Dune references. Yes. I didn't love that as much. I don't know. Like there was something it was about fine. That. I wanted it to be better, but I also was tickled that it was David Desmalchin as Ugulus Lees. Who is David Desmalchin? Um, he was, um, he's in Dune. Okay. But he was also a fucking polka dot man. Holy, sh holy shit. That dude can act. Yeah, so that was Ugulus Lees. <laughs> whole, I would never have known that. The The costuming for Ugulus Lees was really good. And, you know, again, there's so many fucking spoilers. We're way past that at this point. But, like, the revelation that it was a fucking karaoke machine and that Ugulus Lees is a super good dude who just always sounds evil it's kind of a hacky bit by this point but they played it so well that i don't care at I also, all i also just love buscemi constantly doing all the spice yeah <laughs> rubenstein's the worst oh yeah rubenstein's fucking terrible <laughs> rubenstein they could have killed and i would have been fine with it I do fucking laugh. I don't remember what the final line. And that's the said. last thing I ever said. What he says right before it. And then like looking at the camera, that's, we knew there wasn't going to be a season five. We were amazed there was a season four. four, but like they straight up and it's almost to a weakness. Just say goodbye. Yeah. In the final scene. 
But like straight up with him it's being not like, my favorite finale. It's fine, but like the feral. So it was the feral bit that made the internet want Radcliffe as fucking Wolvie. Fair. <laughs> also, he's weirdly ripped. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I'm still Jared Kiso, but mm-hmm. I would be down with <laughs> Radcliffe, Radcliffe which I never would have said before. The grouping ceremony. Radcliffe. Being in that episode. Wait, which one's the group? Oh, the, the, yeah, the, where they're putting them in like, one of these group- strong hero. <laughs> evil. Evil. <laughs> Doesn't seem like we should be encouraging that. <laughs> you know, Radcliffe is, Radcliffe is so fascinating because he openly has affection for Harry Potter. And it's, I, as much as like we seem to have kind of collectively decided it's okay for us to move from beyond Harry Potter, I don't blame anyone for who, who worked on those movies for being like, no, I love this shit. I grew because he grew up with it. Yeah, like that's More, literally my childhood. I grew up with Harry Potter because I read those books endlessly. He grew up with it because he was Harry Potter for nine years. <laughs> like he just yeah. So that was a nice little like swipe at it but kind of in an affectionate way plus it still works because like hunger games and all those other bullshits Mm. do that sort of thing kind of i would have really i don't don't like english schools really do like house sortings in some of the schools yes but i i mean they don't i mean it's not like all the evil kids go in this one no from what i understand i think it varies between like randomized and uh i mean there could be some kind of aptitude test and I bet there's a whole bunch of legacy bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of a thing it is, but like every fucking boarding school in fiction has them. The fucking Assassin's Guild has them oh, yeah. in uh, Discworld. Because fucking, um, I can't think of his name, but the the guy from Jingo, from uh, Clatch. Oh. Uh, 72 Hour Achmed. Yeah. Ta- starts doing the Viper House, Viper House thing at one point. Just actively evil. Just evil. He's the hero. <laughs> and that's the, oh shit, that's the one where Freya and Ty are partying on um, Snowpiercer. Oh god, it is Snowpiercer, isn't it? I went straight to the fucking train from um, Adventure Time. Oh, no, 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 because it's all separated by class oh, as you shit. move closer yeah, to the yep, front. Yep, 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 That's I've never seen Snowpiercer, so that's an awareness of what it is. And I know David Diggs is in it. So mm-hmm. I've been meaning to watch it. That shit was funny. Once again, like I just enjoyed playing spot the reference. Well, so I was and like, it does Oh really, Dune. Oh, Snowpiercer. It does a good job of it. It's just, there's some of them like the matrix episode, which I want to talk about in a sec, but I have one thing I want to jump back to of the dogs. They do the episode where it's the floating city in the sky, which is done everywhere. Oh, mm-hmm. But battle angel Alita, I think does it. That's best. what I think of I, I feel like they were more going off of elysium probably this but, one seemed like it was elysium mixed with hunger games mm, yeah 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 because of the especially fashion. the bizarre fucking fashion but getting fucking i can't think of his name um uh, oh, uh, uh paul f Tompkins. paul f Tompkins in that dog get up is burned into my memory forever, particularly because the same night we watched that episode, we watched an episode of Lower Decks that had Dr. Miglios in it. And I was just like, 
No. Paul F. Tompkins is another one that is willing to just do anything if he thinks it's funny. And he fucking kills it in this. The podfather himself. Oh, yeah. So the, yeah, the one in the sky is even called Olympus. So, yeah, oh, I so think that's was going a, off of Elysium. Yep, yep, yep. That's fair. I just. It's so close Elysium to Elysium is Angel. fine, but Battle Angel Alita does that better than anything else I've ever seen. Oh, especially the twist. Battle Angel is so... It's even before we get to the twist, the episode... The, not the episode, the, the storyline with the... She falls in love with a boy who's trying to raise the money to get snuck up there. Mm-hmm. And, like, it turns out that that was... He was being scammed, so he just tries to, like... Go anywhere. Climb up and is just shot out of the sky is one of the most, like, it is one of the episodes, I keep saying episodes, of Battle Angel that stuck with me more than any of the others, even though I don't know if it qualifies as, like, the most iconic or, like, Mm -hmm. it's not the one that you tell people about, but it's the one that really, like... No, you tell her, you tell people about her playing roller derby. Yeah, murder derby. Yeah, I fucking love... (laughs) I wanted to call it Blitzball, but that's fucking Final Fantasy X. That's a very different game. Yeah. Yeah, I always think of it as like Murder Ball. God, I hate Angel Alita so fucking good. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, Matrix, though. Uh, Matrix Sex Therapy. It's... Okay, so you've been with Marge for a while. Yeah. But I don't know if you've gotten to this point. And, like, I'm not talking about my sex life on a podcast. It's fine. <laughs> but, like... There, and, and not even necessarily about sex life, but that bit when you've been married for a moment or when you've been with someone for a moment where the romance has taken yeah, everything just seems boring for a bit and you have to <laughs> refine it. And like, I think I've literally done the like, did we have sex? Cool. Okay. Like, yeah, I'm not into I wasn't thinking I about it, but I'm into it. Then why not? Because I'm just reading here or whatever. Like. And examining that, I thought was real fun. And then, again, I will say, like as a weird bit, I think we lucked out in that uh, our weird little like things got kind of boring for a bit. Coincided directly with like COVID, so like it was going to happen anyway. It was hard to <laughs> see them, anyways. Yeah. Well, and it definitely happens with living together because I don't know if you've ever lived with a partner, but oh, yeah. uh, that that point where you're like. I love you, but I see you every single day. And that's great. If any You're day going I don't, for that, but any day I don't see CC, I'm like a little like jumpy, mm-hmm. but there is like, it, it, it's so easy to just kind of, you're forget. going for that until you're in it every day. And then, yeah, you just and kind then of you're like, well, forget you know, the special alone. because the special's always there. But the amount that they fucking like, the, the the balance of it and then putting them in the matrix to explore it. One, just the sight gag of the, all the fucking things going up and it's you're you're used to weapons and it's just dildos. That was fucking hilarious. It was very well done. But then finding they're like, turns out she's a hardcore masochist. <laughs> and he's into boulders. And he's there's two different points where he utterly commits to spots where plenty of actors would be like, I will not be doing this. Where he just straight up fucks a boulder. Like, now you kiss. 
No, all, all three, three of us. us kiss. And then like, I'm just not part of this anymore, am I? And like, he's <laughs> way too, way too into it. And any awkward, like, oh, let's have a threesome to spice up our sex life. And then like one person feels left out is almost a hackneyed bit in various stuff. But then having it be with a boulder. But then when they finally like have a nice date night and like get into the mood because they're just literally enjoying each other's company. But when they have the bit of them banging and is showing them (laughs) going and they straight up. She sticks a finger up Danny Radcliffe's bum, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sex positive general nerdery, but like they commit. They're not hiding what's going on. They commit to that. <laughs> or the just about to finish, and then he like scraps, takes off the bed. No, not like this. <laughs> not like this. I've okay. If you've if you have a pet, oh God. they've interrupted your sex before. Oh god. And I have never had it interrupt like that. Thank God. <laughs> but I definitely had pretty early into the relationship us doing our business and the dog straight up bursting through the door that was closed and jumping up onto the bed and like nudging me aside. (laughs) And I was like, I am busy right now. Like (laughs) you need to go. (laughs) This is no, (laughs) or like the dog. No, I'm not. I'm sorry. I just, this is funny. The dog used to try to passive aggressively refuse to leave the bed Mm. and just be like, I'm not leaving. So you two have to stop. And we were like, sorry, honey. (laughs) Uh, Tickle is only like four months older than mine and Marge's relationship. (laughs) So So he was was a kitten kitten when we got together. Okay, we will stop talking about our sex life now. But, like, it's the show does a weirdly good job of, like, what's sex in a long-term relationship? But also it's the post-apocalypse, and also we're going to do riffs on the Matrix. Also your dog is a human. And also your dog is a human. Or in the fucking, like, end of the first episode where he wants to... To, <laughs> to uh, sleep with them. Sleep with them and just, like, crawls on... T- multiple times... He just crawls on top of Daniel Radcliffe and, like, gets way too close. He gets back from the trip, and the whole time they're like, yeah, no, Daniel, like, no, Sid, we're going back to old school. And she real, it's the one where she realizes that, like, I'm not 20 anymore. I, and she learns this lesson, like, six times, but that's the final one of, like, this just isn't fun anymore for me. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of bummed about it, but then, like, he gets back and literally like grabs Daniel Radcliffe's face and it's like four inches away. And it's like, I never want to not be this far away from you again or whatever it is. And you're like, yep, that's a dog that that's hasn't dog. seen you in a couple of days. <laughs> like, that's a dog right there. Yeah. Let's see. Like we said, there was the grouping one, which is also the party all night one. Jim Carrey in the park. It was a funny gag. It just went on too long. And I just, hate Ace Ventura. Look, the B-plot, the Sid going on the weekend trip with Ty, though, was, was fucking funny. great. Yeah. I actually really, really like that If part they had it, figured out how to swap it around so that was the A-plot and her doing the play was the B-plot, I would have thought much higher of this episode. Then it was the Olympus one. It Go was visit good. the parents. Go visit the in-laws. 
it's weird that he's like th- all of the stuff happening in that episode and the part that brought me out of it was where he's pulling out organs and throwing it at them. Mm. But it was still funny. A little bit of a get out in there. A little bit of get out in there. And that was, oh, that was Morris and Ty as the B-plot. Yeah, because that's the one where he, like, paints. Yeah. I wanted that examined a little further, and they just dropped that in relationship until the final scene of the final episode where Rubenstein is pushing uh, Ty around mm-hmm. in the, like, wheelchair. One, those two actors have weirdly amazing chemistry because like they had it with uh the previous season too where they interacted a bunch like they just i mean part of it's just steve buscemi so fucking talented but like they i don't know i i I like their pairing almost more than him and daniel radcliffe where they buscemi and radcliffe in every season kind of play up the awkward versus each other Mm -hmm. well those two i thought had they have weird chemistry Oh, Roland Proudheart was the next one. That's Scraps going home, and that's when Sid gets the beefy. The beefy plot was kind of dumb, but also really funny. The fact that, like, basically they made the joke that Master Blaster is just a fucking vehicle type in the post-apocalypse. And a Tesla owner, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of love that. I'm going to get together with other beefy owners and... uh take pictures of us with our beefies and talk why no, about why no one will talk to us. As someone who's always had that weird relationship to Master Blaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I really love the Sid and Ty. I think it's a weakness of the second half of the season that we don't get a whole lot of Sid and Freya together. Oh, this yeah. whole season, even though the thing is like their relationship still and like maintaining their relationship now that they're married, we don't get a lot of plots of those two interacting together this season. And it might be because it's the final season and they've been the main pair to bounce off each other the whole series. But I would kind of like I missed it. Mm-hmm. But I at the same time, I really enjoyed Ty and Sid together once they like liked each other yeah i agree that was good um and it was children of women which one is children of that's when freya finds out she's pregnant oh and and it turns out morris is part of that weird cult god morris is the worst the name of course a play on children of men yeah 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 Yeah. and then yeah and that's the one where uh the b plot is the going back in time and killing John Christ. It was good. There is no part of that episode that's bad. It doesn't stand out to me, though. Yeah. I. It's funny in just that, like, everything that they're saying is so bad that it becomes funny because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, no. No. No, no. Also, no, you guys don't get that. You don't get to be part of the no, this. No, you like are that. not. You have nothing to do with this. Shut the fuck up. They commit to the part so extensively. It is weird to see Morris that obsessed with it, considering how much he fucking like ignores his child. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, to the point that at the end they're like, shouldn't you be repairing your relationship with your son? You can't have that much growth. You're lucky I have any at all. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, no, it's a really good episode. It's just, yeah. Scraps and Tie together is fun. Scraps in and the Tie. Past, in the modern day. Those actors have never had a lot to do lot together. To do. Like, because I... They never interact in season one. Because, I mean, the guy who plays Scraps doesn't interact with any of them in no. season one. In season two, I don't think Vexler ever meets Mikey. If he does, it's like in passing. Right. In season three, three they... Gunslinger. Gunslinger doesn't really ever deal. Because Gunslinger pretty much only hangs out with Benny the Teen. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I think, with uh, um, Freya's character... Yeah, because it's not hunting, because the hunting party is Daniel Radcliffe, Steve Buscemi, and Scraps. Yeah, While I'm I thinking know. about Ty for a second, it was weird going through this season after hearing him as Spider-Man India. Shit, you're right. I still need to see that movie. Oh, it's good. I know, I don't, I just, I can't believe I have. We'll figure out a time for you to come over and watch it, because I have it. We'll bring you down to my house where I have a fucking, like, 10 by 10. That's true. Screen. Um, not important. We can discuss this after yeah. the podcast when we fight over where we watch Spider-Verse. Both places will watch it multiple times. I'm okay with this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I, I, I've I seen a scene with Spider-Man in India, so... That'd be so good. I'm so glad they updated that costume, because the original Spider-Man India costume sucked ass. Oh, he's so good. And then we have the... It's what two part finale? Yeah, because yeah, then we have it, the John Christ in the end. We have the girls' trip, right? The old gang of war dogs. Another Sit. extremely good episode, and that's Ty joining the competition to show that he's not uh fucking obsolete. Part of the man, he does become the worst kind of white person that like calls the cops on someone and then is recording them and like threatening assault because they go, "Hey, what the fuck?" But also, again, I really hate John Christ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Normally this wouldn't be okay, but I really it's John, John Christ. Christ. <laughs> and he does play the most entitled white douchebag that we've seen since well, okay, the previous season with Scraps' character. But that one episode season one character that like gets in the way of the relationship who's like Oh god, what was his name? I can't remember his name, but he uh oh, was the string theory the guy. Worst. Daddy, I need my $12 million right now. Oh, he actually is the worst. I don't know. He never takes over a town and destroys it, but... Oh, I really like Freya's stuff. I love the fucking one of the gang wars. One of the gangs is straight up just the Jellicle Cats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that shit was great. All that fucking heart-to-heart while he's bleeding out. And, like, showing the, like, they're going to go kill each other. Are you trying to look up the string theory actor? Yeah. John Reynolds is Mason. I think you're right. I think it's Mason. Wasn't string. He, he's been in stuff, but nothing that, like, nothing where he sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a Masters of None. That's supposed to be really good. It was good. I watched all of it. Yeah. Bit actor. I love bit actors. 
Oh, during end, not end time the I'm looking at the wrong spot. During the John Christ episode, uh, Ty goes into America's Next Top Model, and they just take that extremely literally. Best gag of that is the mysterious egg. So good. Thing. And then the egg phone sex ad at the end. I fucking lost almost it. made CC fall off the couch. Like <laughs> I fucking lost it. That was great. And then the end, which is, a, it's fine. There's nothing. I, it's not my favorite ending of all time, but it kind of sucks that that's the final episode of miracle workers ever being made, but it's not a bad episode. You get the team up. Cool fight. Like the couple. I wanted a little more of that because again, I just love those two together. Mm hmm. In every season, I love those two together. They just have such good chemistry. I do think it's really funny that they kind of, one, they make fun of like the slow moving robot horde. I should have made them duck, but they just look so cool like this. <laughs> but then like they keep poking fun at the stuff that they're doing to keep their budget insanely low. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I thought there would have been a big explosion there. Guess not. And it kind of makes sense because they're just like shutting down a, computer program but also they're doing that so they don't have to fucking pay for exactly a big explosion i do feel like they ran out of money and they had to try to make that work the gag of neural net being on the strap down fucking tv on the tv cart super brought me flashbacks oh. to middle school yeah uh, I do like that she murders John Christ and is just rolling back and forth. And you're like, you couldn't handle a rock. How did you? Okay. No, you know what? It's fine. <laughs> He's dead at least. <laughs> That's a long speech. Just, just hit the button. Just, I'm going to shit wherever I want. Gotta, oh. That actor does a good job. Yeah. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, uh, oh, it's Kyle Mooney. He's a uh, SNL. Yeah. 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 I know I've seen him and some stuff. I don't have too much more. Um, let me think. Mm. I thought it was hilarious that in the Matrix, Lisa Loeb showed up as the the person playing music at the cafe. Because I was like, fucking Lisa Loeb. <laughs> I think Once again, it was just like Spot that was like, really? Does, it, does anyone else remember? I, I remember. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, my ranking of the seasons goes season two, season one, season three, season four. So Dark Ages, Original Miracle Workers, Oregon Trail, uh, End Times. I think this is my favorite. The hardest I have is between two and three. I might go in exact reverse order, though. Because I loved Oregon Trail. Just four, all three, together. two, one. Yeah. You did not like season one that much. It's fine, and I like, I like the concept more than I like the season. I think at the end of the day, I just, although I, I mean, I really like the season. Once again, it's one of those things where it's like, it's the same thing I was saying about this one. It, it's mm -hmm. what we've talked about so much on the show. There has to be a worst of, if you're mm -hmm. going to do things. Uh, and it's, it has some of my favorite versions of a couple of like, I think John Daly's appearance in my fur in the first season is better than any of his other appearances. Where is he in the first season? He's... Isn't he one of the God's parents? 
No, that's oh. um, what's his name? He played Doctor Spachemin in Thirty Rock. Uh, oh, uh, never mind. Well, maybe John Daly wasn't in the first season. No, he never wasn't because he only okay. plays doctors in this, right? Because he plays the doctor in season two, and he plays well. This the one. doctor in season two was better than the doctor in season three and in season four for me. Was he so. in season three? Yeah, he was. Yeah, the the doctor in season four is he's straight up just playing uh, Bruce Campbell's character from Escape from L. A. Yeah. 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 Dr. Crazy Brains. I um, wish we could have gotten Bruce Campbell in mm-hmm. here somewhere just because it would have been great, but it's probably way out of their price range. And it's close. Like, I think I might, like, I think I might put Vexler for my favorite car in Sony, but Sanjay Prince in the first season was also really fucking top notch. I thought he's so, I don't know. I said Freya's are all about even, but his are really in the same. Every character he plays is so funny. Because I I do love the gunslinger a lot. And even, like, I don't know, like, for John Bass, like, Sam is the character I ha- of his that I have the easiest time not cringing through. I don't mind cringe stuff as much as other people, but mm-hmm. maybe not my favorite of his iterations, but like, oh man, there's things going for it. Cause scraps is just so fucked up. Scraps is so fucked up. <laughs> scraps is my favorite of his. I just, I yeah, like scraps is so fucking wild. <laughs> it was professor scraps. Oh my God. Or nurse scraps at the end. Like he hated the baby until the, you know, which I'm told it has been a thing multiple times with animals where animals like know something's coming and they get super weird about it. And then the baby's born and they're like, this one's mine. Yeah. It's a delight. It's there's not a bad season of Miracle Workers and the worst episode still has a fucking stellar B plot. I think the worst thing about the series past season two is that they didn't get Peter Serafinowicz to stick around. Just love Peter Serafin. Dude, we should do the fucking Tick someday. Right? Oh, dude. The Amazon Tick was so I good. I never saw season two. It's so good. It's one of the things we bonded over. It's one of the things that made us realize we needed to do this show. Um, and I was not at all convinced Peter Serafin wits when they first announced him. I was like, what? He's... And then... You're like, the roommate from Shaun of the, the dead? dead? He doesn't seem anything like the Tick. And then... That... Okay. Um, that did actually remind me of I that's the other thing that makes me like this season the most is it reminds me of the hidden themes that people usually don't think about with Edgar Wright's Blooded Milkshakes trilogy and the fact that all three of those movies are about different aspects of growing up mm-hmm. and like becoming OK with growing up and like that this is what your life is now. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. The third one of the Blood and Whatever trilogy is so much worse than the other two. It might be my overall favorite. Oh, okay. I think Hot Fuzz is my favorite. We're way off. I, Story-wise, I think it might be my overall favorite. I, I think as it again. As I've only far seen as it just once like, while I saw the other two a bunch of times. As far as just, like, watching-wise, I think, like, Shaun of the Dead's my favorite. Like, I can just throw it on any time and be entertained by it. But uh, World's End, 
I think has more meat to its growing up story than the other two do. That that's definitely true. I love Spaced. Have mm, you seen Spaced the, the show? Yeah. Thing? Yeah, Spaced was great. First two episodes actively terrible, but like after they get that set up, it becomes one of the best. And you get the zombie episode and you're like, "Hey." Hey. Okay. Oh my god. Oh, I love this show because we just named like four different things I would happily <laughs> do episodes on in a 5-minute period. Um Art, what do you draw? Pain. <laughs> oh my god. Oh fuck's sake. Okay, but next time we're going to I mean, one of the best science fiction movies ever made probably. I'm I am scared to do this because I am worried we're gonna do our Conan episode. We're like, it's good. Don't worry, this next episode is gonna be green. Super green. <sighs> next time, come back to listen to us talk about the fifth element, the only Bruce Willis movie that I still really enjoy. There's other good Bruce Willis movies, but this is the one that I can actively say I'm a fan of. Yeah, I mean I know that there's more than that for me. It's just as soon as you said that, I'm like, well, what are my other ones? But I I can think about that later. I mean, like, Die Hard is Die Hard, but, like... I mean, I probably like the first four Die Hards. We'll talk about Mm -hmm. it next time. In the meantime, we're your Jones of Nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it as the whole world is around on algorithms and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, Also, I mean, tell your friends. We always appreciate that. Uh, If you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.